Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and net. My name is Sue Rocco, and uh, I'm thrilled to be in the studio this afternoon uh, with a really wonderful guest. I'm very excited to have her. Uh, before we get started, I want to mention that we just launched our new website last week, and I uh, would love for you to check it out and uh, be sure to take a look at our lineup and uh, all of our um, articles that are done by contributors and lots of things going on with this show. And you can find out everything at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Uh, and also I want to give out our call-in number if you're listening to the show and you'd like to join the conversation. Uh, be sure to take this number down, 888-329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. And now I'd like to welcome uh, this afternoon to the show Gloria Loring. Uh, Gloria is calling us from California this afternoon. She is a singer, songwriter. She is an actress, an author, uh, and also an advocate for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. And I'm thrilled to have her this afternoon. Gloria, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you. I'm so excited. There's lots for us to cover, and um, I, I really am excited to get into uh, the book that you are currently writing. But I'd love to start out uh, with a little bit about your your upbringing and your background to give our listeners um, a sense of where you came from and and really a lot about uh, what's going to be included in the personal stories um, that will be in this book. So, you know, in doing my homework and, and researching a little bit more about you, Gloria, I, I understand that you were born in New York um, in what they call Hell's Kitchen, and you did a little bit of moving around as a young girl. Can you talk about those years um, starting out in, in New York and then your move to Minneapolis and Miami? Yeah, I was born in, in Manhattan in what they called Hell's Kitchen. You're absolutely right. My dad was a musician, played trumpet with um, Tommy and Jimmy Dorsey. He knew Doc Severinsen in the early years. They worked together, etc. My mom was a band singer for a while, and then she had a baby. And like most women then, that was the end of that. And uh, she became a full-time mom and a real good one. And um, when we were, about, I think when I was about three or four, we moved out to Long Island, to Queens, mm -hmm. and I went to PS205, and we were there till I was 11, and then we moved to Minneapolis. My dad, um, by that time, had gotten what is known as a real job to my grandmother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you need to have a real, this musician thing. You right, know, that, right. You'll never get anywhere doing that. Get anywhere. Um Anyway, we moved to Minneapolis, and my dad was with National Cash Register. We stayed there. Actually, it coincided exactly with my, my junior high years. And then just as high school started, we moved to Miami Beach. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was when I started singing, and I sang in church choirs and school productions and was soloist and was in madrigals and all of that sort of thing. And, and mostly I was a singer. 
um, you know, you couldn't stop me. I was kind of like my son Robin Thicke. You know, he just sings, and that's it. He started singing in the halls when he was a little kid. Yeah. You couldn't stop him. And um, so I started singing professionally when I was, well, if professionally is getting paid for it, I was about 15, but we made, you know, $5 each a night. Yeah. And we sang in <laughs> coffee houses. It was sort of Peter, Paul, and Mary plus one. I was the Mary with the long blonde hair. And we sang a lot of folk music, and it was a little group called Those Four. And then I started, um, after I turned 18, I auditioned for and got a job um, singing on weekends in one of the rooms, the penthouse room at the Playboy Club. Then I did the Playboy Circuit, and then on and on and on. And within two years, two and a half years, um, I auditioned for the Merv Griffin Show and, uh, and flunked my audition because I had just flown in from London and I decided to have a pastrami sandwich. Duh. <laughs> oh, I loved him. I loved was, that show. Oh, Merv I, I, was, I was burping pastrami while I tried to audition to get a <laughs> Merv Griffin show. And, but fortunately, my agent called Merv and said, Merv, this girl has something special. You've got to put her on. And Merv did. He listened to him. Oh. And by the time that air showed, it was on May the 10th, um, I had the next morning, May the 11th, I had calls from four major talent agencies. Um, Merv's uh, agent uh, wanted to become my agent. I mean, all kinds of things. I guess I was just be- just a little bit better than their expectations, and everybody was very excited about the new girl on the block, you know, yeah. kind of thing. and. I went on and I did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of television shows. I did the Ed Sullivan Show, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, uh, 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 Steve Allen. I mean, everybody who had a show, Glenn Campbell, Smothers Brother, everybody who had a show, I did the show kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that was, it was so a would great you say time. Mer- and then, you know, um, several years later, I was still doing a lot of singing and I was traveling and, um, and I had two little boys and I was traveling on planes with toddlers with smashed banana all over my jeans and singing in very glamorous outfits at night and then going back to the room and breastfeeding a baby, you know. (laughs) Total multitasking, as women do. Yeah, yeah, like a lot of women, you know. Yeah. But um, I studied acting during that time, and I got my first acting job and wound up on Days of Our Lives for six and a half years. Mm -hmm. It was another phase, you know, and I stepped forward into that and, had a hit record out of that and started writing books and my son got diabetes and, you know, everything kind of blossomed from there. Yeah. You know, gosh, Gloria, you've had such a really wonderful career and such an eclectic mix of, of opportunities and, and things that you've done. And I want to go back for a second. But something I read about you when you were young, um, you stated that you had this desire to be special and you needed to be heard. Um, yeah. I thought that was very telling, you know, that, 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 was something perhaps innate in you as a young girl that carried through and led you to a lot of the opportunities um, to perform? Well, I don't know if it, it, it could. I mean, you may be correct that it was innate, inherent within me. I may have brought it in with me. Um, growing up in a family where there was alcoholism and some unfortunate occurrences early in my life, um, and I often felt I, had to, I was invisible or had to be invisible, um, may have... Um, urged that yearning in me to mm. find a place where I would be heard and seen. Yeah, I know that that was very. I was very insecure, and I covered up for that as we all do by trying to be absolutely perfect and fabulous and 
got very unhappy when people didn't listen to me or pay attention to me or whatever, whatever. And right. So it's been a long learning process. And uh, what I talk about in my, my book, and you said you will be writing. No, no, no. This book is finished. It's been out for a couple of years. It's called Coincidence is God's Way of Remaining Anonymous. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say writing. Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, out. Anyway, yep. but... That's what I, I talk about in the book. You know, when we look back as we get, we get enough years under our belt, um, we can see the way our life meandered from this opportunity to a next opportunity, and maybe things fell apart, but then we met so-and-so who did such-and-such, and, and, and then we took an advantage of, of another, um, another chance to, to rise to a new level of being. And 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 all of that I call a, a coinciding of meaningful events. Um, you know, people will say, oh, there's no such thing as coincidence. Well, uh, maybe there is. I don't know for certain. I can't say there's no such thing. But when something happens and it, it pokes at you, you know, when something mm-hmm. stays under your skin, either you find yourself thinking back and being a little agitated or a lot agitated <laughs> yeah. by something or something keeps getting your attention and you go back, isn't that amazing that such and such happened? You know, those kinds of coincidings, very often um, we're reflecting onto them something that we might learn about ourselves or the way we conduct ourselves in life. And that's really what my book is about, that that which created us dwells within us. Whatever we call it or don't call it, it still is here. We were patterned after its DNA. We were given that intelligence, that presence, that potential for massive love, um, and and we can decide how we're going to use it in this life. You know, Gloria, you mentioned um, your dad and, and his alcoholism, and I think that that's an important, you know, if you can talk about that for just a few minutes, that um, if you pick up any book, you know, uh, about children of alcoholics, I think there's some commonalities there. And, you know, you mentioned that you learned uh, to survive, you know, the, the difficult times by pretending nothing was happening. Yeah. Um, do you find that you still do that today? I'm better now. I'm better. I don't, I, I'm not so much a denier. I get to things more quickly. Sometimes something would happen and I would uh, kind of get all chaos-ridden inside, tornado sort of emotions and it, three or four days later, I would come out of it. Now it's usually maximum three or four hours, uh, sometimes three or four minutes. I have the tools now to understand what's happening in me and why, mm-hmm. what those messages are. We can talk about that. Yeah. Um, you know, we learn ideas about ourselves as we grow up. And... Um, I I do believe that it's probably true, and a lot of very wise people have said it, that we come into this life and find ourselves in the company of the people who may just teach us the hardest lessons of all, the lessons that we can't learn if things are just all, you know, peaches and cream and rainbows and cupcakes. Yes, yes. That's interesting because I was reading about, you know, you're, you're, your childhood, from one standpoint, seemed very idyllic. Um, the cabin that you used to spend summers at, 
um, mm-hmm. and and being with you know your siblings and and cousins. I think um, you mentioned yes, so, with my, my Minnesota cousins. Yeah, that's you know that's a wonderful aspect. Something really um, positive to think back on and reflect on. But then of course there's this you know the other challenges of growing up. Um, the other is is that your parents did eventually divorce. Tell me, mm-hmm. um, how did that affect you? Just did that happening um, play a part in some of your your psyche today? Oh, I you know every I think everything does, don't you? Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah. You know, on the one hand, you see there I, I there's a chapter in my book where I deal with what I call um, inappropriate sexualized contact with my father when he was very drunk when I was very young. And I, I talk about how I was led to a, a healing of that through coincidence, through a coinciding of, of coming just to the right people who knew the, how to do the right things. And I believe that we, each of us, so desperately, there's something in us that wants to heal. If we can lift ourselves to the opportunity for healing. Sometimes, you know, people come into our lives who offer us an opportunity for that, but we're not ready. And even now, I think it's okay if you're not ready then you'll you'll get there when you get there. Don't be upset with your, oh, I should have left this marriage five years ago, you know, and I knew it, and now it's taken me so long, and I've wasted that time. No, you know, be compassionate with yourself. You're mm-hmm. ready when you're ready. You're yeah. ready to leave the marriage. You're ready to face an unfortunate uh, incident in your childhood. You're ready to find a new job. You're ready to think a new way. Um, you're ready to find a book that answers your questions. You yeah, know? yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that because I wrote down um, something that you said, and and I think this this just resonates for so many people that sometimes it takes the right words spoken at just the right time. There's so much truth to that because we, um, especially in the world today, where there are a lot of um, people out there trying to help others through coaching and advising and, you know, workshops and all of this kind of stuff, we hear the same, some of the same, and I'll say cliches. I think they're cliches because they're probably true, but um, words of yeah. advice, and they don't really sink in. And then one day someone says something to you, and it has a huge effect. Um, well, that for me was what happened because I always thought <laughs> that I had to control my life. I had to be on charge of ev- in charge of everything, on top of it all, arrange everything just so when inside of me was this swirling chaos, and I was always sure something was going to go wrong at every minute. So I, was, I had a certain amount of um, internal anxiety that was there, ready to jump to the fore at any moment. Yeah. And... and my son got diabetes, which was uh, Brennan, my older son. Robin right. is my younger one. Mm-hmm. And um, Brennan was four and a half. And I was devastated because I was going to be the perfect number. I was going to breastfeed and make his baby food from scratch, and he was going to be the healthiest child ever. And now he's got this chronic illness that may shorten his life and cause complications. And, and, and so I set out to do whatever I could, and I found out about diabetes research through the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation, and I joined up, and I, we raised money, and we were going to raise some money, and, and it's, it's the first chapter of the book, how I came up with this idea to do a Days of Our Lives cookbook shortly after I joined the show, and I had everything ready to go, but I had no money to pay for the book. I needed $40,000 to print 50,000 copies, and we were going to so-called sell them, give them away for a $10 donation, and we did ultimately raise a million dollars, um, but I didn't have what I needed. 
And I came in, the money, I came into Days of Our Lives, and I remembered thinking in those that week before, something's got to happen. Something has got to happen where I'm ready to print this book. The money has got to show up somehow. And I went into my dressing room, and there was um, just nothing in the dressing room. I put my bag on the chair. At the end of the day, I had to catch a plane to Houston to play in a celebrity tennis tournament. I picked the bag up that had been on the chair all day long, and underneath the bag was a little card on which were printed the words, Expect a Miracle. Were those the only words on the card? Only words okay. on the card. Yeah. Now, someone somehow had gone in and put that. I don't believe it materialized out of thin air, okay? I'm not going to be that etheric about this. <laughs> but put that card under my bag on the chair. It, it appeared there somehow. Yeah. And I looked at it and I thought, well, this isn't mine. And I was going to throw it in the, in the garbage. And it, it's as if a, a voice in my head said, don't throw away a card that says expect a miracle. <laughs> you know, so That's like throwing away a bag. good fortune cookie, right? You don't do that. So I put it in the bag. I went to Houston. The next night after playing tennis, we did a celebrity show. I came down off the, the back of the stage, and there was a man standing there I had met years before. And long story short, he said, your son has diabetes. And I said, and I heard a voice inside my head, this other part of my beingness that said, tell him about the cookbook. And I told him about the cookbook and how I – I had to, you know, get raise money, but we were all ready to go, and we had 10 million viewers, and we thought we could really raise a lot of money for research. And he said, well, how much do you need? And I said, $40,000, gulp, you know. And he said, well, I'll give you 10. He said, come on, let's go out in the lobby. By the time I finished that night, I had almost $20,000 wow. to print the cookbook. Wow, wow. This is 24 hours, or 36 hours after the Expect a Miracle showed up in my dressing room. And now the right words at the right time to go back to what you said. Yeah. I was telling this to someone like you. We were doing an interview about the Expect a Miracle card, which is framed in my office, by the way. Mm. The Expect a Miracle card. And I said, isn't that an amazing coincidence? And this fellow said to me, yes, but you know that coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Yeah, that's a, I love I that. Said, Whoa, yeah. wait a minute. That is the coolest thing. Okay, wait a minute. i got to write that down. Coincidence is is what? God's way of what? Remaining anonymous. And I thought, what? I don't know what it means, but it's the coolest thing I've ever heard. And what happened is the right words at the right time came into my heart and my mind and my attention. Because I was telling this story about how we raised the million dollars, and now I would button the story with, and you know, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous, as if I was so smart. (laughs) You came up with it yourself. I came up with it. I found out years later, it's a quote from Albert Einstein. Well, you know, here... Now, these years later, I'd been talking about coincidence being something that shows up from a source that's anonymous that shows up from a source of goodness and love. And I started to look at my life, and by then I had racked up a series of quite spectacular, to my way of thinking, <laughs> coincidences. Yeah. And I thought, i got to write these down. So, that's, so this book actually was over 20 years in the making. It, yeah. was, it took a long time to finally bring it to fruition because I think I was scared of 
putting out a book with the word God in the title. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a spiritual leader. But I have just as much um, permission in the universe to tell my story as anyone does. And so I finally got the courage, and we put the book out. And the most wonderful thing is I've had people tell me that they've read it four, five, six times because there's such um, wealth of information. Now, it's not my information. I gleaned, you know, I read books. I interviewed people. It's, it's information that I gathered from the world combined with my own stories of coincidence. But this, that's why I said, you know, we have the opportunity to grow to the next level. If we have the right tools in front of us or the right person or the right words, and then we, we have to pay attention. And that's why this paying attention to coincidence can be so valuable in our lives. I, I think that's so very true, Gloria. I was going to ask you, what is the difference between someone like you who opportunities present, present themselves to you? There, you know, something coincidental happens, and then something comes out of it, something positive will come out of it, for you, where perhaps for someone else, it doesn't. And I would say that it, it's that paying attention to it, being open to um, what messages are, are presenting themselves to us through happenstance or, you know, would, I'm not articulating. Well, I don't think Do you, it's anything special that I have, um, well, no, except but it, the thing ahead. that I have or I had was a tremendous amount of pain. I was in so much pain that I remember at one point saying, I will do anything to stop being in so much pain. It's kind of like the alcoholic who gets to the bottom of the barrel or the the heroin addict who said, okay, it's this or die. I felt like I couldn't go on feeling so worthless and so helpless and so hopeless. Now, isn't that fascinating, people? This is in the midst of me being on Days of Our Lives, having a successful career, you know, my veneer of, hey, I'm fabulous, I'm perfect, I got cute dresses, I got great hair, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Oh, yeah, I know, I know big, important people. Yes, all of that. Yep. But in my most vulnerable moments, there was a terrified, uh, not physically battered child, but uh, like a, a wounded child. There was a wounded child in there. Mm. And... And I think that what happened was I finally came to a point, and I talk about all of these steps, which so many people have told me they really related to, where I I got to the point and I said, okay, I would like to pray. I don't know how to pray. I I believe there's something. I don't know what to call it because I don't want it to have only one name. I want it to have all the names because I think it's that big. And and I, But I don't know how to pray. Within a month, somebody sent me, uh, a yoga correspondence course <laughs> about <laughs> yoga philosophy, which, of course, was the exact right thing for me. Mm. An acquaintance of my then-husband sent us this course, and I started reading about these ancient principles, which are agreed, uh, the, the, the foundation of them are agreed through most of the religions, um, that that which we seek dwells right here for us right now, we have to turn within. It is, it is in the outside world. It is part and parcel of the outside world because it was made, the outside world was made by that presence, that power, that love. But it's also right in here. We are not alone. We've never been alone. 
And as I started to, I started a meditation practice. This is now 28 years ago. I started studying. I became a yoga teacher. I'm a certified yoga instructor. You know, I really delved into these ancient teachings. So the exact right path for me. Now, someone else, it might be an evangelical church or, or um, you know, Kabbalah or, or you know, their Lutheran church down the block. I mean, or, or just um, a, a spiritual group of spiritual uh, uh, seekers, uh, you know, or it might just be someone who really inspires you, a Maya Angelou. Or, you know, I mean, there is so much to look up to in this world. Um, so that's why paying attention to where our mind is going and what we're dwelling on makes a huge difference. Gloria, where did you find the courage to, um, as you were describing, uh, people don't often relate to these types of discussions, let's say, about God and spirituality and religion and all of that. And I think that holds a lot of people back from sharing what they truly believe and feel. How did you find the courage to, to, you know, to push that aside and really step out and, you know, want to use your own life lessons and, and knowledge and share it with others? I found the courage through the great spiritual masters because they all say such similar things. And I thought if these great beings who've delved into the mysteries of, of life itself, of what it is to be human, to be connected to something that is divine or some beingness that's divine. I mean, I try to use these big words because I don't want uh, – somebody once asked me – I was a yoga teacher, and she said – um, do you teach Christian yoga? And I said, well, um, why are you concerned? She says, well, I don't want any religious. I said, no, 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 no. We're doing breath work and postures. This is, I'm not, I don't care what form of the divine being you worship. So we get, we get so isolated into our, well, it has to be this or it has to be that. And I knew I didn't want that from my childhood, that I'm right and my church is right and everybody else is going to hell forever. That just wasn't acceptable to me. So I found the path that was right for me. So I wrote this book from an ecumenical viewpoint. I, I quote Christian saints and, and, uh, and ancient wisdom from the Kabbalah, from the Jewish faith, from you know the, the great Sufis who were the, it's the mystical traditions. When, when you get into the law and the dogma and the fine points, then there's a lot to argue about. Mm. But when you get into the mystery, that that which cre- that you were created in the image of the Most High, you don't even have to say God, of the Most High Being, you and I were all created, that is our DNA. That's like a whole different understanding than what most of us were raised with, many of us were raised with. Yes, it is, it is. And I, I, I find that these discussions are... Um, happening more and more, which is really wonderful. People are interested in more meaningful um, discussions. And uh, I, I, I think that it's, like you said, I think it's important always to be sharing it with, in a, in a way that is, is um, accepting from people from all walks of life and all different backgrounds. Um, Gloria, we have uh, someone on the line who has a question for you. Her name is Sharon Hatcher. Sharon, welcome okay. to the show. Thank you. Hi, how are you? Hi, Sharon. Hi. I didn't know my last name was going to be announced. But oh, okay. okay. <laughs> oh, well, I'll be famous now. 
<laughs> I just wanted to say that I think, Gloria, you must be at a place now that you have the most to give. And you sounds like you have done everything, <laughs> I mean, success-wise. And I think this is your most successful thing, especially, well, I was so touched by your seeing that Expect a Miracle card. And yeah. so that started your purpose for helping juvenile diabetes and as an advocate for your son's disease. And yeah. I can say that my mother was my biggest supporter. And when you said four words, potential for massive love, that's me and my mom and my mom and me. And I just, I know you felt that and you helped that organization. Well, and that organization helped me. The loving hearts and the helpful minds of the other parents and, and fundraisers and volunteers helped me find a family of people where I didn't feel like I was alone when my son was first diagnosed. It was so overwhelming. You know, if I give him the wrong amount of insulin, will he die? You know, I mean, it's yes. so scary. Oh, yes. And, and find that organization of people who had such enormous courage. I mean, I learned so much from being in their company. I think that was my first. And, and isn't that fascinating, Sharon, that that yeah. the hardest thing probably that's ever happened to me, which is anything that happens to your child, was my son getting diabetes and having to have shots for the rest of his life. As yeah. hard as it is for him, it was one of my life's greatest gifts. So we never know, yeah. you know, how something that seems just almost insurmountable may actually have some great um, opportunity for us to grow. You're absolutely right, because uh, my mother and my father totally supported me when I got uh, a bone cancer five years ago. And without their love and support, uh, I just couldn't imagine going through that alone. Yeah. And, and, there yeah. are, and there are support groups out there, too, if you don't have parents there are support groups for everything yes oh yeah it's amazing there is you know what i mean we talk about all the divisions and the terrible things and this mm -hmm. and that that's the tiniest 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 percent of the human beings on the mm -hmm. planet i mean most yeah. people are living good and decent lives and they're trying to love their children and raise them to be successful and they're trying to yeah. be a good neighbor i mean there's so much goodness in the world if we just there focus is. on that and be the goodness, that wonderful Gandhi quote, be the change, be the goodness we wish to see in the yes. world. You know, hold the door for somebody. Let somebody in front of you when you're in the car. You know, all those little tiny things, they yeah. make such a difference. Sharon, thank you so much for calling in. We really appreciate yes. the comment. Uh -huh. thank, thank you, Sharon. So thank you. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Gloria, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to get right into uh, more about the book. We'll be right okay. back. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography and automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus our same day readings mean same day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. 
It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. I'm Jocelyn Ewart, founding principal of Entrust Financial in Wayne, Pennsylvania, and it is my pleasure to share financial tips with you during my monthly segment on Women to Watch. I hope you are a regular listener like I am and that you are finding the personal finance tips I provide helpful. Some of the topics we have discussed so far this year are how to get organized, how to help your children learn good money habits, how to create that all-important travel budget, and what steps are needed as you prepare for retirement. Now I have truly exciting news for you, news you can share with your family and friends. As a veteran certified financial planner professional, I just published my first book, Balancing Act, Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. It is filled with inspiring real case studies to help you and other women move past fear, build confidence, and make the right decisions without financial concerns. Just go to Amazon.com to purchase your copy. And please, write a review for Balancing Act Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. I look forward to reading it. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB. Talk 860 and net. Uh, I'm thrilled this afternoon to have with me Gloria Loring, uh, Gloria, singer, songwriter, actress, author, uh, and advocate for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Um, Gloria, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, because I think having written a book um, like you did, Coincidence is God's Way of Remaining Anonymous, you had to do a significant amount of reflecting um, on your own life, you know, going all the way back to the beginning, um, we often say. One of the things I wanted to know is how how do you live your life different today, um, having reflected the way you did to write this book? I, I, I hope, I think I am, more conscious, um, of my own uh, mistakes, um, uh, more willing to say I'm sorry, more willing mo- most of all to forgive others because I keep finding it's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I keep <laughs> that the very things I want to accuse others of doing that I consider wrong are things I've actually done myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty it's called yeah, common. Yeah, or she, rat, 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 rat. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I did that last month. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, you know. How dare they do such. I mean, it's so prevalent. Uh, I remember reading somewhere that when you point your finger at someone, you know how you point your finger and you'll tuck your three other fingers back into your palm? Mm-hmm. You have one point finger pointing at them and three fingers pointing back at you. <laughs> there you go. And 
So I have found it to be true. Now, everybody would have to try this on their own, but when you're ready to say about someone, well, she said, and I can't believe that she lost her temper with me, and then you say, okay, have I ever lost my temper with some? Oh, yeah, I yeah. have. Mm. <laughs> so I guess, oh, yeah, yeah but you're that. human, oh, yeah. right? We're human. And I've done that, and I've done, you know, that's why, that's why actors can do what they do, because every kind of human feeling now, they may not have acted it out in, in a certain thing. Like somebody, you may have actually, I wish I could strangle them. You may not have actually strangled them, but if you have to play a murderer, can you understand, can you feel that the rage might build and build and build until you're out of your mind and forget that you're dealing with a human being? You just go after to try to destroy. So, you know, that's what we do as actors, is we attune ourselves to a depth and fullness of feeling that all of us have felt all that stuff as little kids. I mean, I'm sure you wanted to throttle your brother, you know. <laughs> of course. Like the little brother? Yeah. You mean the little one or the older one? <laughs> Either one. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, anyway, I, I, I think what I'm, you know, I've been going through something, and everybody figures like you get to a certain point, and some, some, I have a friend who's in her early 40s, and she said, God, do I have to keep learning things? Oh. And I said, yeah, for the rest of your life. That's right. <laughs> the same lesson keeps coming back. And I said, but it's getting a little less painful, isn't it? She said, well, yes, actually it is. It used to take me down for days. Now when someone says something negative to me, I just feel bad for like an hour. And then I go, oh, the heck with that, you know. Yeah, you remind so yourself it, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. That's right. I remember once. And I, I just remember that somebody said something to me, a lady named Mary that I knew, and she said something. And for three days, I was so morose. I thought I was a complete failure. I thought the most devastating thoughts about my how stupid I am, what a failure, I'm rah, rah, rah. And then after three days, like the fog lifted, and then I couldn't remember what she had said to me. See Isn't that? that fascinating? It is. I couldn't even remember the, the initial incident that caused me to go into this deep place of mourning. Mm. And that's what happens. It's like there's this fog within us that hasn't gotten cleared up. And, and we, we, we get through it by starting to pay attention and to realize there is another choice. That's right. You don't have to take road A, which is falling into despair and berating yourself and thinking your life is useless and, or whatever those words or mechanisms are. You can say, you know what, wait a minute, I have people who love me. I have people who care about me. I've been basically a good person. I've done you can you can talk yourself up. You can be a good friend to yourself. That's what we have friends for, is say, Oh, come on, now that's not true about you. Mm. You know, but we can do that for ourselves and that's what I had to learn was to be a good friend to myself. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of women in particular, um, over men, need to, to you know, to, to learn that lesson. Um, you Something that you said that I, I really liked when you were contemplating the book and thinking about writing the book, and, of course, anyone who's ever written a book, they worry, will, will anyone buy it? Will anyone like it? Do I have something to say? And you were actually questioning whether writing these very personal stories, you know, how would these lessons be useful to other people. So it really wasn't about you so much. You know, you were thinking, if I do this, how will it be useful? And you said, I've been moved and challenged by the depth of what I found. 
Was there something in particular that you found through this process that, that was the greatest lesson? Wow. That's, I wish you'd asked me that question two days ago so I could have time to ponder it. Mm. What was the greatest the depth? And Well, I think that the depth of what I found is, is, comes from the, the, the great spiritual masters. I mean, the, the, the Sufis and, and the Kabbalah and the, the, the great Christian saints and, and of course, the, the masters like Buddha and Jesus and, you know, these, these beings who spoke sometimes in great riddles. And, but as I delved and I tried to find the connection, I sort of was on my little Ph.D. quest, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, understand coincidence and i read probably 30 books about coincidence and synchronicity and and the more i read the more the more um amazed i was and would, the more awestruck i yeah. was would you use the word the, enlightened gloria would you say that i you, would say we we get, uh, certainly our our uh, darkness gets lightened mm-hmm. the the darkness that we tend to fall into when we think when we think these terrible things about ourselves or our lives, it's all personal, you know. Yes. There's no yes. such thing as something not being personal because we we take it personally. I mean, we're the one sitting inside here looking out in the world, judging it, categorizing it, telling ourselves what it means, what it's about. And the great news is at any point we can change our mind. Mm. Yeah, you know, that's very the, powerful. Yes, the the, uh, the power of choice. At any point we choosing. can change our mind. That's right. That's yeah. right. Choose again. Well, yeah. when he said that, I felt really bad. Okay, can you choose another feeling about that? Could you say to yourself, wow, he said such and such to me. That says a lot about how rude he is and how little he respects a woman. Or, you know, and, and I say to people, you know, that person is who they are whether you're in the room or not. Mm. It's really not personal. Yeah, right. They're just being who they are, and you happen to walk into their path and they shot sniper fire, emotional sniper fire at you. Right. And you decided to pick it all up as if it was absolutely true about you right now <laughs> in this. You know, Change, yeah, changing your perspective is so incredibly powerful to, you Other know. choice. And yeah. that's why watching, okay, when, when I say meaningful coincidences, meaningful coincidings, okay, you're in a room full of people and everybody's really nice to you. And one person says something like, what is that dress you've got on? And you go home and all you do is obsess about the not-so-good dress. Well, what does that mean? That means you are attuned to what is not good about yourself. There might be 95 things that are fabulous about you and five things out of 100 that are some vulnerabilities, could be better, you know, whatever. But you will obsess, so you're just looking for what's not good. That's a great, great example of that. My friend Beth, she had Aunt Betty was, you know, a part of the family, and every once in a while she would call Aunt Betty, and she'd say, "Hi, Aunt Betty, it's Beth," and Aunt Betty would say, "Not so good." <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even say, "How are you?" Right. She was. But I'm not so good. Not so good. (laughs) Some people are never good no matter what day of the week it is. Going Um, on. And they've allowed themselves. So here's the important thing. 
if you allowed yourself to be programmed like that, you can allow yourself, give yourself permission to have a new programming. And ask for help. Ask for help from good friends who are uplifting and enlightening. Um, find a book that, that every time you read it, you feel good. You feel like your heart opens a little bit, like the world's a little safer place. You know, mm. beware of the company you keep. Pay attention. Are you with people who, when you finish being with them, you feel like you want to go and have a stiff drink? <laughs> or are you with them and you leave them, you feel good, you feel happy, you feel safe? Right. You know, we always have a choice. Mm. Even people who were in Auschwitz found ways to get through. Oh, the Viktor so, Frankls of yeah. the world, mm. uh, you know, who, who found ways to hold on to meaning, to hold on to goodness, to hold on to light in the midst of the darkest possible circumstances. Mm. So, so very true. Uh, Gloria, we have another caller. Uh, Deb is on oh, the phone okay. and has a question for you, Deb. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Uh, it, um, I just wanted to tell Gloria that um, not only did I read her book many, many times, and I would find myself saying out loud, wow, wow. Then I decided to also get it on audiobook so that I can listen, just like listening to this interview. And I just recently um, read the column last November. I always get the soap opera digest and read the column that Gloria writes, um, How to Drop the Drama. And this one in particular resonated with me because I was always wanting to convince a family member that my idea was always the best idea <laughs> and that what choices they made were incorrect. My advice was so much more important. <laughs> <laughs> and this article was about letting them choose their journey. But mm -hmm. I would go, oh, but no, 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 no. Now you're just have this wanderlust, and you, you need to be better organized, and you need to do this. Well, I'm reflecting my journey onto him. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so uh, that article, yeah. It's so easy to do, and, you know, I've, I've done that in my life, and I've been a fixer. I think coming from, an, for me, coming from a family where there was alcoholism, I was always trying to make things better somehow, you know. And so I went out in the world, and I've been, for years, been trying to fix people, and I'm finally, it's like a, if they have an AA program for fixers, you know. <laughs> I, think, I think I've gone through like 10 of the 12 steps now. I'm gradually <laughs> relinquishing um, my need to try to make someone else better or make their life better. I want to be a positive influence on people, but but um, like you, I, 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 for so long there was so much judgment. Well, if they just do what I say. I had a friend who had a, a very hard journey, and I, I we were very close, and she actually lived in my home for three years, and I wanted different things for her, and I tried with everything I could to get her to make other choices, and I finally, it was starting to affect my health, and my, my blood pressure was up. And, and I finally went, I have to let her do this her way. And she did, and she passed two years ago, and um, it was okay then. I, I think that was the biggest um, lesson for me is everybody's got it. Actually, there's, oh, wait, I actually I found something this morning. I just got 
Leonard Cohen's book. It's called The Book of Longing. You know, we're so focused on him because we just lost him. And uh, he's such an amazing writer. Wait a minute. I saw this this morning when I was reading. One second, one second. Oh, where did it go? Oh, here it is. Here it is. I put a little page on it. I must say this quickly. Whoever is in your life, those who harm you, those who help you, those whom you know and those whom you do not know, let them off the hook. Help them off the hook. Recognize the hook. <laughs> oh, that's a, oh, oh, I love that. I love no, that. That's just that gave me, yes, I know the, hook about the right words at the right time. That just gave me chill bumps. I so want to hook way of being. Let them off the hook. <laughs> yeah, I love the simplicity of that because that's something we can remind ourselves, you know, every day without you know, struggling to remember the message. I think probably one of the hardest things in, in all of this that the two of you were just discussing is as mothers, right? Wanting to, to oh. I mean, we always want to fix and help our kids. We want them to be happy 24-7. And they too I have know, to. Yeah. I know, And I've, they, they my, my sons have helped teach me to let go and let them find their own way. And when they want my opinion, they'll ask for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and boys in particular, you know, you have two sons, Gloria. Boys, um, you know, it's a whole different relationship with their mothers than than with daughters. Yeah, I I don't have any daughters, so I don't know that in particular. But but except I was a daughter, and I had two two sisters, you know. So yeah, my mom had that. Um, yeah, I I think it is a little different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Deb, thank you so much for calling in with your question. Um, Glur, we have another caller, and uh, this is wonderful. His name is David. He's calling from New York. Or, I'm sorry, he's calling from Kentucky. David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, Hi, David. Hi. How are you, Gloria? I'm great. It's so nice for you to call in. What What, what do you want to talk about? Um, I, I kind of like that last portion. I, I Think that I could have something to, to say about that. First, let me cover. Uh, um, I'm in the music and entertainment industry. I write music for films and television, and uh, I'm currently working on this inauguration that, this year, which is going to be fun. You Good. were uh, just talking about. Uh, I think how, how I got drawn into this was the word coincidence. Yes. And I think that uh, it's a coincidence that I'm actually calling, right? Um, I I I think that coincidence, when it's recognized in our lives, is uh, is more of a match to the thoughts that we've been thinking for a while. Most of us think thoughts, aren't consciously aware of them from the moment that we rise to the moment that we put our heads back on our pillows. And a lot yeah. of people will, will 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 say things like, "I told you that that was going to happen," or "That's just my luck," and things of of that nature about their bad luck or or or, or circumstances that they keep the, they're they're in like this perpetual loop of unwanted experiences. Yeah. And it's only because they haven't been lucidly uh, slowing their minds down in in. In, intentionally, and that begins with a r- r- really cool different ways. It can be petting a dog or playing the piano, or there's all different kinds of meditation besides just the formal guru, monk in the hill, shaman 
esque <laughs> type meditation. Yeah. It's the things that we um, allow ourselves off the hook, and now we're to off the hook. And I think that this is a really cool thing. I also have a book, by the way, and I'm not going to plug it. But I do write <laughs> on and think. <laughs> see how cool I am, right? I'm not going to plug it. Um, but I do think in esoteric ways about things like this, and I'm pretty good about stringing words and sentences together and kind of making sense of them. So, 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 so here I go. So, I think that this um, thing about um, the benefits of letting other people off the hook, and and I think that one or both of you chimed in. And, and it got you excited and, and, and recognize it as like an aha, like that is really important, and it is. But there's one step even further, and it's even closer, and it gives you even more relief, not even to have to set your timer to keep remembering to let people off the hook, and this is how you do it. Oh. The more that you let yourself off your own hooks, whatever they be, the things yeah. that maybe that you had held up this measure of, of for yourself, and you put mile markers down about the things that say, say, say decades. In my 20s, I thought for sure I'd be here by now. By my 30s, my God, I thought I'd be here by, by my 40s. Oh my God, now I'm 65. Is it too late? Da, da, da. We're so disparaging to ourselves. We hold up such yeah. a scrutiny about comparison. It's real, it's mostly this over social media thing where now there's no such place as far away, and we keep holding up Kardashians in front of us and blah, blah, blah. So we, we even in all of that forget to breathe intentionally. And then there we go. We've lost how many 1,500 thoughts just crossed our mind. We weren't even aware of it. And every thought's racing out to create experiences in, in our lives. So what I make a habit of doing at the beginning of each day is uh, letting myself off the hook. That it's going to be cool. That, that I didn't come here. I, Actually, I have a theory, and I'm not trying to solicit it, that we come here not to accrue a long list of accomplishments and then to wither away at the end of it all and then to, and then to fade away. We don't come here to, to accrue anything. We actually come here just for the experience of fun. And um, all of this, you know, um, how, how many things are on my resume – is what kind of like, I, and I think we are dumbed down on purpose. I, I have a conspiracy theory that we're, we've forgotten for so long that about how to think about ourselves, that selfishness has gotten a bad rap, that we don't, that when somebody does something for themselves first, often they're looked upon as like not as great as somebody that doesn't, and that's definitely not the not the most powerful way so to you're in, in the all... midst of a really massive conversation, David. <laughs> I was just going to yeah, say, yeah. You yeah, David, I, I have to let you go. Books, I'm, I'm, what, yeah, I, love, I love what you said, though. I yeah. think you're right. It, letting yourself off the hook leads directly into to doing the same for others. It's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Thank you yeah, so much for, for calling in. I, yeah, I have be, to let you go so I can get my last absolutely. few minutes with Gloria. Thanks, absolutely. David. Absolutely. Yeah. Merry um, Christmas. It's amazing. Same, yeah, same to well, you. Well, yeah, you know, it, Susan, he's so right because yeah. we have to be compassionate, first of all, with ourselves. When I talked about projecting onto others, 
if I can forgive myself for a mistake, then I then I more easily can forgive others. So he's absolutely yeah, right. That is Let right. I know up. he is. I mean, I really it, it's it's fairly can be as simple as that, right? Um, in, in yeah, order it's okay to, to make mistakes. That's it's right. okay. That's right. Here, I wanted to ask you this question before I run out of time because I think it's important, you know, in today's world, especially for young people, they so look to uh, celebrities and, and notable people, you know, people in media um, to kind of shape their own opinions. And uh, I wanted to know how you manage to really stay the course and um, – have the good life that you did in the world of Hollywood, which which can often be, you know, quite superficial, a uh, lot of smoke and mirrors, but yet you really, you manage to um, really just stay the course. What, what do you think the secret for you in doing that was? Well, I think having two little boys was huge. You know, I think that when you don't have something like that to ground you, it's very hard. I mean, I certainly got into lots of the head trips about, my resume and my this and that and the other and what I was doing and not doing and all. But you got to go home and deal with those two little boys and mm-hmm. feed them dinner and put them to bed. And, you know, those that grounds you enormously because um, you can't be out drinking and partying and caught up so much in that. And And there are a lot of really wonderful families being raised by people who are somewhat famous, you know. That's right. So yeah. um, I, th- I think that's what did it for me most of all. It, yeah. And I, you know, my own family had been um, diluted by divorce, and uh, so I, I want, and, and actually I went through a divorce too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to hold on to every sense of home and family that I possibly could. Yeah, being a mom is, 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 is one of, it really is the greatest lesson. Gloria, I thank you so much for taking the time to, to be with us today and share your story. And why don't you go ahead and give our listeners your contact information and website. Absolutely. I'm uh, www.glorialoring.com, of course, mm-hmm. and I'm on Facebook as slash Gloria Loring, on Twitter as at Gloria Loring, um, and I, I answer emails, um, as long as you don't get too pushy. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. And, well, uh, you know, uh, I, I really enjoy hearing from people. Good. Well, Gloria, thank you again, and have a wonderful week. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I so enjoyed talking with you. Terrific. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Have a great week, and we'll, we'll see you next week.